direct from Orlando Sparks Campus. Everywhere. It's blindbargains.com virtual exhibit hall coverage. Brought to you by AFB Access World. For the latest news and accessibility information on mainstream and access technology, Apple, Google, Microsoft, and Amazon offerings, access technology book reviews and mobile apps, and how they can enhance entertainment, education, and employment, log on to Access World, the American Foundation for the Blind's free monthly online technology magazine, www.afb.org. Now, here's J.J. Meadow. Blind Bargain's virtual exhibit hall coverage takes us to the Midwest. In fact, just south of me at Ohio State. I'm not going to say the Ohio State University because I'm from Michigan. I will say Ohio State, though, uh, where mm-hmm. Caroline Karbowski, founder and CEO of C3D, also Ian Maddie, who is a co-founder and manager of Mountain Lakes Public Library Makerspace, joining me to talk about the awesomeness that is 3D printing. Welcome both of you to the podcast. Hi, Jason. Thanks so much. So, Caroline, I'm going to start with you because you got involved with this. I mean, I guess it goes all the way back to middle school, but it started really in high school with a Mickey Mouse print. Tell me about what happened here. Yes. So, in middle school, I decided to teach myself Braille so I could read books in the car without getting dizzy. And then throughout middle school and high school, I had been looking for ways to use my Braille skills because... Being sighted, I had a lot of people say, why do you know Braille? You don't need to know that. And I found out that people were 3D printing Braille on models. And I thought, oh, I can use my Braille skills for that. And had 3D printers at my high school and decided to find out how I could 3D print models for blind people and eventually add Braille labels to models. And the first blind person that I met named Cassandra said she wanted Mickey Mouse and a Disney castle. Fine. And so we made those models at school and she then connected me with her friends who connected me with other friends and visited schools and conferences. And from there, C3D had been born. We were just going to different events and that was all in high school. And now in college, we've been able to make C3D a nonprofit and I'm going into my senior year now. So we've really been developing the program since then. That's amazing. I don't think I know too many people in your age or position that have already become the founder of a nonprofit at such a young age. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It was great that OSU really connected us with people who could help us register to be a nonprofit. The OSU Innovation Studio gave us a lot of funding and connected us with people in the community who could help us out. And I think that was what really was great is along with funding, they just helped us find people in entrepreneurship and nonprofit management strategy, a bunch of other OSU students who had business skills and like economic skills, 3D printing skills. And from that, we were really able to grow the program. That's really cool. You now have a board and people from all over the country that are really interested in this, including Ian, you're nowhere near Caroline. You're in New Jersey. How did you get involved? Excellent. Uh, Question. So I had been working uh, with 3D design, 3D printing for the last four and a half uh, years or so through the Mountain Lakes Public Library Makerspace that I hope co-found. And as we were developing our 3D design and printing, I learned about an organization called Build a Better Book. And Build a Better Book is out of University of Colorado. 
and it's another awesome organization, probably for another future podcast. And I went great. to a conference in March 2019, and I met a lot of great people. And I learned, okay, that we could take a lot of our 3D design and 3D printing and make it more inclusive and accessible. And from there, over the past two plus years, it's really been the mission to take all of our resources that we've been working on in the makerspace, especially 3D printing, but not just 3D printing, including you know robotics, laser cutting, prototyping of basically any kind. Um, how can we make it more inclusive and accessible into games, books, science resources? And along the way, one of the people that I met at the Build a Better Book, say that three times in a row, uh, <laughs> organization and conference was uh, Neil McKenzie, and who's a, just a wonderful individual and a technology expert for 3D printing out of Sonoma County in California. And he suggested that I check out this organization called C3D. And he told me all about Caroline. And I talked to Caroline and she actually was really, really nice. And she met with me and two of my high school students, Quinn and Joey, who had been developing a, um, an inclusive and accessible marble game uh, that was 3D designed and 3D printed. And from there, it's, you know, it's kind of began some nice partnership and collaborations. I mean, I was just in December, I think that, you know, I met Caroline just virtually. And since then, we've done a lot of, um, you know, good work together and I look to look forward to all the kind of interesting projects to that we can make more universal, inclusive, accessible um, resources. So the major goal, at least at this point of C3D is to print 3D printed stuff and models for people. You've done over 1,400, at least that's what your website says, yeah. <laughs> since 2017. That's quite a number of things. What are some of the types of models that you have printed for people? So the most popular category is human anatomy. And so we made a human anatomy kit. So these are things like the intestine, inner ear, brain, stomach, all these things like that. And astronomy has been really popular. So things like constellation domes and various spacecraft things like rocket ships or rovers. NASA has a lot of models available on their website. And we also do a lot of DNA science models, things that are too small to touch. So cells and things that are too large to touch, like animals sometimes like whales or sharks especially like the animals that are too dangerous to touch maybe like a lion or an alligator and also a lot of insects and we also do buildings at the ohio state school for the blind we did a lot of historic buildings things like the white house capitol building eiffel tower taj mahal since they had models that were made during the great depression of these historic landmarks, and they wanted to do a program where we 3D printed those models so the students could have miniature copies because the school only had one big copy of the model. Right. So a lot of like historic things and earth structures, things like volcanoes, the Grand Canyon, and also famous movie characters, things like Shrek or Minions from Despicable Me stuff that you might see on TV, like cartoon characters, and as well things like snowflakes and book characters. And I think on a, some other cool, like larger models we've done are bridges. And nice. that was a really exciting model. Uh, I think another cool large model was a pump jack. It's used to pump oil and it moved too, which was really cool. 
So what's the process like? Uh, Ian, I'm assuming you're over there getting some of these requests and helping print some of the things along with Caroline and others. How does one request a model or what does that process look like? Yes. So anyone who's blind, low vision or visually impaired or a parent, teacher, someone who is blind can request a model on our website, c3d.org. That's S-E-E, the number three, D.org. We have a Google form where you can fill out your name and address and what model you would like. You can also post a link to download the model or we can look up a model for you. And we sometimes also email with the person back and forth to see if there's anything we need to make more clear. And we can also provide things like a model description in Braille or large print or electronic format. And once that Google form submitted, we have a team of volunteers, mainly OSU students, and we go through the request and post them on our Slack channel. Slack is a group messaging service. It's kind of like Microsoft Teams or Discord where there's various channels. So volunteers pick which channels they'd like to be notified for. So maybe they like to 3D print or they want to design models or write descriptions or do braille. They can be in any of those categories. So usually we're posting in the print request channel or we'll post in the design channel if something has to be designed. And then any of the volunteers jump on A lot of times it's Ian jumping on with his students printing and designing models. Then once we have something that's designed, we put it in our print chat and coordinate volunteers to print it. Then we mail it to the recipient, free matter for the blind. You know, one of the, uh, I think, amazing things about 3D printing is that once you have the design file, right, that's the key. And it could be printed anywhere in the world at any time of the day, especially with 3D printers, they can work while you sleep. So it's one of the things that I really want to focus on in the last two and a half years was taking our 3D design printing and being able to standardize some of the designs that we're working on so we can reach more people. It's one thing to work on a, a design and you have this project like, oh, this is really cool. I made this bridge or this building. Well, you can give it to one child who can benefit, but what happens if you can give it to 100 or 1,000, right? right? And we're right. talking about using standard 3D printers. For the most part, everything we're talking about today is standard 3D printer, which can cost between $180 and $400. Now, granted, you can get a standard 3D printer that's two or $3,000, but the mono prices and the creality, there's a lot that you can get between $180 and $400. So possible for many organizations, whether it's library schools, individuals to have and to get these models in the hands of more people. And also, you have to get it out there, like what C3D is doing, marketing, to just say, hey, you know what? This exists. These files exist already. We can get these to you. We just need to know you want it, and we'll print. Do you have a list or a library of things that you have already printed? Because I would assume those would be a little easier to reprint as opposed to you know, recreating the wheel over and over. Yes. So we do have a Thingiverse collection, and we have some links for those where it's in different categories. So it's any model from Thingiverse that we've printed, we've categorized. So there's a biology section, a famous building section, a popular culture section, maps. So that's one realm. We've also printed a lot of models that aren't on Thingiverse. And for those, we don't have them much as categorized. We have more like just photos of them, or if people like them, we can send them to individual link, mainly because most of the models we do are from Thingiverse. And then for people who design models, we encourage them to post them on their individual Thingiverse page and so that we can include them in the collection. 
We also have a, a resources doc with various 3D printing websites where you can find models and resources for 3D printing and accessible science. So a lot of times people can go there and find other things that they need or email us for files. And we'll include some of that information in the show notes for this episode over at blindbargains.com. As the prices of 3D printers are coming down, it becomes more accessible in both mm-hmm. the financial state of the word and a blindness, you know, screen reader state of the word. We're having a lot more people that are blind or visually impaired getting into 3D printing. What have you seen amongst people are, who are blind as far as getting into 3D printing and what are you uh, doing to support that? So we run the 3D printing club at the Ohio State School for the Blind, OSSB. So we did a lot of advocacy and emailing 3D printing companies to try and make their software or machines accessible. Unfortunately, we didn't really hear from a lot of people. And some things made things somewhat accessible, but not the way where we would really like it to be. Right now, there's a lot of students will use screen magnifiers but for totally blind students, this program isn't always the best with screen readers. So what we did is we started connecting with blind people in the community who were 3D printing to find out how they were doing it. And what we had found is people like the Prusa printer, because it had a accessibility mode where the dial ticks and plays different sounds for intermediate ticks and the top and bottoms of menus and then you could count if you memorize items count like five ticks means print and six ticks means stop and that was a good workaround so and we even found someone in columbus that let us borrow a prusa printer and bring it to ossb so the kids could check it out and people also using octoprint so they can control their printer online or with an app and that's been pretty accessible what really would like to see is try to make slicers accessible. Using NVDA has been fairly okay with Cura, and especially with some people we've talked to, it's still not 100%, but it is better than when we were using JAWS because the computers were crashing with Cura and JAWS. Right, so Cura is open source software for slicing, and I guess in simple terms, slicing is pretty much that intermediate step between taking a mm-hmm. 3D printed file... Use is STL is the usual format I would say you would come across the most, and then getting that ready to print. It's not as simple as just downloading and hitting print. Usually, there's that intermediate step, and that's that's what slicing is for anyone who's new to that. And an interesting thing about Caroline has done a lot more work with you know testing and and getting 3D printers and slicing software ready to work with um, visually impaired and blind um, students uh, than I have. But I've been working on getting there from the design perspective, OpenSCAD is text-based. Mm-hmm. Yes. So OpenSCAD is an excellent and maybe the best 3D design program, I think, for visually impaired students to work with. And that's something I would like to start this summer plans where we can start developing. Um, I haven't spoke to Caroline about this yet, but I was going too soon. So this is a great time. <laughs> Let's bring it out of the middle no. of the interview. <laughs> I really would, you know, we have, you know, just um, from the St. Joseph School for the Blind, who we partner with in Jersey City, and other organizations would start working on plans where we can develop open SCAD kind of pair pair programming, pair design in between sighted, visually impaired students. Mm. That is a goal over the next six months to get that up and running on a small scale to start. But it's interesting, like you mentioned, the Cura Slicer, right? Slicing, basically you're just taking this 3D design file, 
and then the printer needs to know x what x and y right kids learn about x and y on a piece of graph paper right that's all it's really doing but if you you know going through and reviewing uh, the slicing settings they really could just be text-based right and that's where getting students to think about universal design and accessibility mm -hmm. and inclusion inclusivity you know, like from my makerspace perspective and of course across the world like if we can get kids thinking about that so when it's their turn to work for ultimaker and they say you know what we could just make this text space right we don't right. need all these graphics for this and they're like oh oh yeah we could do that and then all of a sudden it's much more inclusive and accessible and so that's one of you know longer term goals of makerspace is to work with students in programming and getting them to see that and understand that there are better ways to, you know, even write computer programs that from the start, it's not like it takes extra time to do it. In fact, it might even be, it probably even better just making it more inclusive to start anyway. So better for everyone. Absolutely. And dealing with, as you're talking about open scatter, open SCAT, I haven't agreed on the pronunciation yet of it. <laughs> Sorry. I don't even know what it is and maybe they don't either, but I know Chansey and others at New York Public Library have done a couple of classes on that. So there are people that are blind that are learning that. And it, you know, it seems to be the best text-based or maybe one of the only text-based solutions for a blind person to actually create the designs. Yeah, we can go to Thingiverse and download an STL file, but all we have to go on there is a description. And if we wanted to modify it, there's not much you can do at that point. And, you know, other than, I guess we could send it to you and say, hey, this might be a good start. Could you help me take it from there um, as well, right? Right, and you make a good point about Thingiverse too. Like what I'd love to see is having image descriptions on Thingiverse or at least designers including more descriptions of their models so that way people know what it's like because a lot of times we've had blind people who have their own printer and they just want us to look up the file. Or like I know one person India asked for a stomata, like a leaf stomata, and we just found it online, sent it to him, and he printed it himself. And that's been a big thing at OSSB. We've always had to have a sighted person describe what Thingiverse is saying, or a student has to use Ira or something. It'd be great if Thingiverse just had a way to make it more aware for all the makers on Thingiverse that a lot of blind people are using this and they can make it more accessible. Ian, you're a big part of a, a maker space, which holds so much potential, not just in 3D printing, but in quite a few different areas. Makerspace founders tend to be pretty progressive as far as inclusion, which is amazing and awesome. But I would wager if a blind person were to go into the local makerspace, they're often going to be met with a bit of hesitation or you know, maybe just, you know, some indifference on how to actually make things accessible. So how would you recommend if a blind person wants to go down to their local makerspace and check things out, how would you recommend that conversation get started and kind of gets everyone on the same page to help everyone benefit and help blind people uh, take full advantage of makerspaces? You know, it's a great question. I think just making the contact is the number one thing. Like you said, you know, people who are leading makerspaces are generally... I find too, looking to use makerspaces to make the world a better place for everyone. So just making that contact, whether it's email or phone or whatever means of communication and just explaining like, you know what, I'm interested in doing this. I'm visually impaired, I'm blind. How can we, you know, make this work? And I know that things are definitely possible. So I think it really just, you know, it takes 
takes that conversation, right? Because like you said, you know, at first, like you said, somebody could walk in and be like, oh, well, you know, I don't know. Can, is there anything like, you know, that you can do? Well, there definitely is, right? Right. That's the whole point about technology is to make things better for everyone. That's what technology is for, right? Uber is great for convenience, but that's not really like the benefit of technology. Right. So we actually just, and it's all about like communicating with people because, you know, you can see that like we're talking right now and I met Caroline virtually, you know, in early December because of somebody I met, you know, two and a half years ago at a conference. And there's all these great connections and just kind of meeting people, whether it's kind of physical or email or virtual. And, you know, recently at the high school, I'd been talking to a teacher, uh, an art teacher about, you know, working on a project going back to last year and then COVID hit, you know, and that didn't happen. And and she said to me about six weeks ago, she said, Ian, we have a, a Spanish teacher at high school now and who is blind. And I was telling her about the work that, and you and your students were doing and she would like to meet you. And about six, seven weeks ago, I went to school, brought some of the projects that we've had. And you know what? We just met in the school and talked and gave her some of the resources that printed. And she was like, these are great. And from there, we developed a project together. Now, granted, that was in the school. We weren't necessarily physically, you know, going to the makerspace. But, right, you know, a makerspace is anywhere, right? It's a state of mind. It's culture. Right. So, but, you know, uh, Jessica, the, the teacher, Jessica Calvo, she was working with us, right? Not We weren't working for her. Right, she, we she we were working with her to design these food uh, pyramid vocabulary cards um, that the students worked with her to design. So I think that's a good example of like a makerspace can happen anywhere. In this case, it happened because an art teacher who I'd been talking to knew that there was a teacher that would be interested in this, and sure enough, we now have a project, a complete project for her Spanish class to make vocabulary more accessible between her and her students. So get out there and talk. That's amazing. There's so much cool stuff going on in the world of 3D printing. And I'm guessing some of our listeners might want to get involved. So you mentioned the Slack channel, but what's the, the best way for people to get involved? There's so many things that people can do to help out, right? Yes. So to get involved with C3D, you can just go on our website and then we have a get involved page. And there you can fill out a Google form to sign up to join our Slack channel. You can select what channels you want to be in and some info about what equipment you have. And then we'll send you a link. Slack is accessible with screen readers and it works on computers all the way to phones. And we've also provided some links on our website about ways to use Slack with screen readers and keyboard shortcuts. And once you're in there, we can continue to chat and for you can just check out the channels and we post something. If you wanna get involved, just message. I like that it's inclusive as well. It's not one of those services where it's a bunch of sighted people doing things for blind people. You could be a blind person and 3D print for others or help in many right. other areas as well. Right. We have blind people that work in all aspects of our organization and because we've been able to implement a lot of accessible things. So, And right now our, our biggest thing is to try to make 3D printing more accessible because there's been a lot of volunteers who are blind that want to get more involved. Great. Thank you so much to uh, both of you, uh, Caroline and Ian. I definitely look forward to uh, following. I'll be joining the Slack channel as soon as I hit save on this recording. And uh, definitely look forward to being more involved. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Caroline. It's a lot of fun. For more exclusive audio coverage, visit blindbargains.com or download the Blind Bargains app for your iOS or Android device. Blind Bargains audio coverage is presented by the AT Guys online at atguys.com.
This has been another Blind Bargains audio podcast. Visit blindbargains.com for the latest deals, news, and exclusive content. This podcast may not be retransmitted, sold, or reproduced without the express written permission of AT Guys. Copyright 2021.